I've listened to Toto 4 by Toto for a year and a half. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Everybody and welcome back to Spin It, the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. It's Connor. I'm waiting for your love, but I'm also afraid of it. That I can't help it. It's it's a feeling. That's a real conundrum. Africa. <laughs> See, there's always one that messes up your attempt to say every track title in the one that we're doing. I made it farther than normal. I got like four of them. That's true. Congratulations. I'm getting better. Right. This week, we're talking about Toto. What is your degree of familiarity with Toto? And I'm not talking about The Wizard of Oz. And I'm not talking about the urinals. Aw, you stole my joke, man. Sorry. I didn't... What was your joke? Because I already I already mentioned it when I said I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Oh, that would have been funny. Shoot. You know what? We should have done a Kansas episode right before this. And then oh, I could have said, oh, Toto. Right, let's it. Hang on. Audience, we'll be back after doing a Kansas episode. No, we won't. Oh. <laughs> it's too late, but that's a missed opportunity. We'll just have to do them again. What we'll the? Go do one of the other Totos. Yeah, I mean, there are at least four of them. This is our, our first Toto episode on Toto 4. Yeah. But anyway, my familiarity. Right. You know, I know some of their bigger stuff. Well, that's good. Who doesn't know Africa? Who doesn't, honestly? It's prevalent but that's one of the reasons i i picked this band and when i started listening to toto i looked into this album it's because i think africa kind of has aged itself into like a meme song right i think a lot of people don't take africa seriously that's maybe the only toto song people nowadays know like today people nowadays that didn't grow up with toto Probably don't know maybe a ton of songs like Rosanna or Hold the Line or all the other... Rosanna, Rosanna. Right, people don't know that. And I think if people's only exposure to Toto is Africa, they're going to miss a lot of really intriguing music. And also Africa has a lot of merits that I don't think people appreciate enough. But that's a soapbox we can get on another time. But you know a little Toto, that's great. That's good. Yeah. We love a little foundational knowledge. How much of this album did you know? Surely some of these are your rock hits that you you love. Correct. I don't I, don't, I didn't count them. 1 2 3 3 yeah. Ooh, I, I obviously know two of them in Rosanna and Africa. What's the third? Is it good for you? I won't hold you back. Oh, shocker. Real, real surprise there for you. I wish love isn't always on time was on this one. Hold the line. I know. I know. That would make this a really perfect Toto album. It could have maybe gotten a 10. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. If, if in Africa were on the same on the same one. That what a statement to make right at the top of the episode. Hello. <laughs> Well, that doesn't. The fact that it's not here means you know one through nine are still eligible. Are still, you think the addition of hold the line could have taken this from a one to a ten? You'll have to wait and find out. It was teetering right on the balance. Yeah, I guess we will have to wait and find out. Wow. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Toto. 
Toto, the band, was formed in Los Angeles, California. We're back in California, by the way. Just still here. We took a little break, but we've been back. (laughs) Toto was formed in Los Angeles, California in 1977 by high school friends David Page on the keyboards and singing and Jeff Porcaro, the drummer. Those two worked together as session musicians for a long time, and then they decided, you know what? We're loving this session work. It's treating us well. It's been a lot of fun. Let's start a band. And start a band, they did. When they were session musicians, they did a lot of work with Boz Skaggs, Steely Dan, Sonny and Cher, and more. A lot of big names in their session work list. They picked up classmates David Hungate on the bass and Steve Lukather on the guitar. Bobby Kimball joined the band as a vocalist. And Steve Porcaro, Mike's brother, joined on the keyboards. Their first band together was called Rural Still Life. Later, they took out rural, because what an annoying word to say as the first word in your band name. I, I, I really, I struggled to say it. Say what? Nope, not getting me on that one. <laughs> we did it with Worcestershire back in the day. Just give it like one good attempt. Rural. Did I do it? Yeah, see, that was great. All right. I'll be honest, I muted it and tried it a couple times first before. I- <laughs> <laughs> just to practice runs. Yeah. Just to be really good and sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, you nailed it the, on whatever try that was. Seven. But they dropped that word. They went down just to still life. But in 1977, they were noticed and signed to Columbia Records and got to work on the record that would become Toto. Toto 1, predecessor, great-great-grandfather to today's Toto 4. Actually, the way that they came... From Still Life to the name Toto was a bit of a journey as well. When they were first cutting demos, they were obviously working in a studio where a lot of other bands were working. And to make sure they could recognize the demos that were theirs, Jeff would take them and write Toto on them. Just so they'd have a distinct way to stand out from the other bands and the other demos that were laying around in the studio. They said, hey, you know what? That's a pretty cool word. Pretty nice name. They did a little research, and in Latin, the phrase in toto translates to all-encompassing. And after the different kinds of music the band had been able to record as session musicians throughout their careers so far, they decided, yeah, it's a really good adjective for us. You know, all-encompassing, we do a little bit of everything. Toto. Or at least that's the most likely story. They were pretty coy and pretty cryptic about things for a long time. In the early 80s, they straight up just said, oh, we're named after the Wizard of Oz dog. Like, that's it. That's the. That's all of it. They also claimed that their name was inspired by ABBA because they really liked the four-letter name. They thought it would be very easy to remember. And honestly, it is. If you had a four-letter name, what would it be? Kano. Just take out an N and an R from my name. Would would it be Kano then or or like Kono? I don't know. Isn't it Bono? Oh, yeah, it is. You could be like Bono. Yeah, that's what I was going for. We need to do Bono. We should. We'll get to you two. That's you two, the band, not like you, Kano, two. We'll get to me, too. Great. But they love that name, Toto, and nowadays it's an iconic name. They love it. Jeff Porcaro says it's representative of our music, Mishmash. He said it's a goulash of a name, which is not a way you'd usually describe a name. Well, their first album came out in 1978, and hits like Hold the Line, right? Oh, so coveted 10 score pending. Hold the Line was on that first album. It brought them pretty quick success. They were nominated for a Best New Artist Grammy that year. Love isn't always on time. After that, uh, things started to cool off for the band pretty significantly. Their second and third albums... Hydra and Turn Back kind of went off without a major hit, at least domestically. It was starting to look a little bleak, except for in Japan, 
where their song Goodbye Eleanor blew up and created a really major fan base for them. So, you know, not all hope was lost. There was still enough to keep the lights on for one last go at things here. A fourth album that is not an exaggeration to say is kind of a make or break situation with their label. They said, you got to turn it around or else it was a threat. And that fourth album, as you may have guessed, based on the very apt title of Toto 4, is the album we're talking about today. Are you good with Roman numerals? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> I get confused when you get above anything after X. Like, L, is that 50? Is L 50? Yeah, L is 50. What's 20? Is M 20? Or is M... No, M is bigger. M is 1,000. M is bigger. What's 20? How do you do 20? It's just two X's. Okay. Which is probably why you're confused if you th- if you thought it was something else. How do you do 30? Three X's? Three X's, yeah. And then 50, it becomes... Is an L. Why? No, because that's what they chose to do. I don't know. <laughs> so then 50, then 100 is a C? Yep. And then M is 1,000, you said? Yes. Wild. I know. It is wild. And Roman numerals annoy me because it's all math. Not really. <laughs> yeah, because when there's a 1 before the 5, as is the case with Toto 4, you subtract it from the 5, right? So it's not like Toto IV is in Roman numeral form, technically Toto 5 minus 1. And then if the 1 would come after the V, right? Like in Star Wars Episode 6, VI, then you add them together. I mean... I mean, you're not wrong. Don't get me wrong. You're not wrong. Don't get me wrong. I guess we're both right. Well, I just say, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not arguing that what you're saying is wrong when I say this. I don't know. I guess I just always associate it more with, like, spelling. Spelling? Just because they're letters? Like, IV is just the Roman numeral way of spelling for. Oh, well, that's not my paradigm. It's it's math in my head, and therefore... I dislike it a little bit. I feel like like back in the day, you know, the Romans, they weren't like doing a bunch of math all the times so when they were writing out numbers. It was just like how they wrote numbers, you know, it'd be no different than me write F-O-U-R to them. What, is that not, in a certain sense, spelling as well as a number? Um, that's what I'm saying. Okay, you're right. You said I wasn't wrong. Yeah. To the Romans, it was just their version of spelling out the number whereas it wasn't really math nobody was sitting there no roman was sitting there in their little toga or whatever going oh yes five minus one four they were going oh that's just four you can't tell me no roman was doing that because that's how the system works i don't know they might have just been more used to it and been able to do it more quickly but still anyway that's a that's a brief aside on roman numerals we now return to your regularly scheduled toto 4 programming yeah Recording on Toto 4 began in October of 1981 and took around three short months to complete. The record came out in March of 1982, and their recording tech was actually kind of off the charts for the day. Instead of the typical 24-track recording console, Toto said, no, we're not going to do 24 tracks. That's not enough. Let's use three of them at once. Three 24-track recording consoles at once. XXIV console. Yeah, let's use XXIV consoles, but three of them. Let's use III XXIV consoles. Whoa. Oh, gosh. See? It's math. Wait, how many? Three of them. III XXIV consoles. Oh, oh, I see what you said. Right, there was a comma. Yeah, I missed the comma. It's too busy doing math. Let it be like LXXIV. I I that's so is that 72 yes I think I did it I know Roman numerals we taught you who's this we I taught you <laughs> the mixtaper <laughs> maybe well using all those extra recording consoles it helped make the recordings higher quality and it helped preserve the original tapes in addition to the band themselves working as producers and stuff 
The album's additional instrumental personnel include 15 extra musicians and an entire orchestra. They did a lot of the producing themselves, but they had more than seven engineers working on their music, which is pretty impressive. It's a lot of manpower. So they're putting together this this record, this pivotal record in their career. It's going to make or break them. And they pretty much stick to this classic 70s pop rock style, right? And on the scale of make or break, this record turned out to be a make. It was a pretty significant success. Put the band on the map. And and by that, I mean they sang a song about a place, Africa, on the map. Yeah. The album contained five different singles that ended up being some of Toto's all-time greats, including Rosanna, Africa, Make Believe, I Won't Hold You Back, and Waiting for Your Love. The record topped the charts in Australia, Canada, and the Netherlands. It hit number four in the U.S. and the U.K., and it performed pretty well in several other countries. And it also made the year-end charts in the U.S. at number 41. So that was a make. They put their noses to the grindstone and really got it done. They did go on a tour in support of the album, but they didn't do it right away. They delayed it for a bit. I don't know if you remember, way, 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 way back in the day, like October of like two years ago, On our Michael Jackson episode, we talked about how Toto helped Michael Jackson work on Thriller. We sure did. During Mixtober 1. Mixtober I. Yes. (laughs) They helped Quincy Jones produce a couple songs on the album. Steve Lukather played the rhythm guitar on Beat It. And he and Jeff Porcaro played on The Girl Is Mine alongside Paul McCartney. And Steve Porcaro co-wrote Human Nature. So Toto is all over Thriller, which is amazing. And you'd never guess it. That just speaks to their talent, I think, that they can contribute so significantly to such a monumental album. Toto 4 actually ended up being Toto's last album with their original lineup. After the record came out, David Hungate left the band to focus on his family, right? With their newfound success, he was worried he wasn't spending enough time with his wife and kids. And Bobby Kimball was kicked out due to drug use that was affecting his voice and his singing ability. And they said, okay, that's enough. Hit the road, Bobby. And so he did. They tried some other band members on for size. Nothing fit quite right, right off the bat. They did collaborate with a lot of other notable artists afterwards, including Paula Abdul, Miles Davis, Don Henley from the Eagles, and yes, it's John Anderson. It's pretty cool. And they put out a couple albums in the meantime, you know, still making music. Jeff Porcaro passed away in 1992 at the age of 38, and it almost led to the end of the band altogether. You know, they said, what are we going to do? Should we pack it in? They said, no, we don't want to do that. That's not what Jeff would have wanted us to do. His family said, please, like, keep going. That's what you ought to do. And they decided to host a tour in his memory, and they did a special tribute concert for him with big names like Eddie Van Halen, Boss Skaggs, David Crosby, Don Henley, and even George Harrison. So the band persisted and kept on going. They wrapped up a pretty huge tour in 2022, opening for Journey in what they called the Dogs with a Z of Oz tour. So they like lean into it, you know? Wow. Yeah. I actually, I saw them on that tour. That's cool. It was really cool. I know. I didn't know what to expect necessarily if they would, you know, play all the hits if I'd know a lot of it, but I sure did. And they were a lot of fun. The current lineup of the band includes original Steve Lukather and David Page, as well as Joseph Williams, who's been with the band on and off since 1986. In total, in, in total, Toto, that's a mouthful has put out 14 studio albums between 1978 and 2018, and they also scored the 1984 movie Dune. Nice. Super nice. I've never seen Dune, but I've heard things. 
I think they've been good, but I honestly don't remember. People like to talk about Dune a lot. Mm-hmm. Dune, Dune feels like a thing that's gatekept. It, it's because the books are like super popular. And then, you know, there's the, ni- yeah, the 1984 movie was like a, almost like a cult classic. I don't know. It's got like one of those followings like the Lord of the Rings trilogy has, right? Where like mm. fans of it are like diehard fans of it. Right. But then there's still a lot of people who have never seen it because they can't be bothered. Right. And then there's like different levels within the fandom. People that have watched the movie and love it or people that read the books. Yep. And then they did the the new Dune movie. Right. With Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. Yeah. And I think part two, Dune 2, comes out this year? Question mark? Knowing us, it probably comes out the day this episode drops. <laughs> I, no, I think it's like a, a winter release. Probably. Who knows? Yeah, November 3rd. November 3rd, Dune 2. Is that when this comes out? No. Can it be? It's just time to do Kansas. We can we can put it out again <laughs> when Dune comes out. <laughs> and then when we get to November 3rd and we release it, we can be like, we made it, made it. it. Made it for Dune. <laughs> <laughs> so, Toto's been putting out albums, 14 albums since 1978, and they've been on tour almost constantly. They've done 26 tours since 1979. I checked. There are only seven calendar years that have not included some shows of a Toto tour. Wow. I know. And those seven years, one of those seven years was 2020 when nobody toured. So that's a lot of touring. And the band has, of course, been pretty successful. Over the years, they've been nominated for 11 Grammys and won six of them. So they're batting over 500. And in 1986, they earned a Crystal Globe Award for more than 5 million records sold internationally. So that's what I've got on Toto. That's the the rundown. That's the skinny on Toto. Cool. Should we do like a Should we do like a Wizard of Oz bit for the mixtaper? I don't know. Like what? I don't know. Should we drop a house on him? Oh gosh. Take his shoes. <laughs> Get pranked, <laughs> sucker. Ding dong, the taper's dead. The mixtaper. Ding dong, the daster's dead. Anyway, let's get the mixtape run out here to play some fact or spin and see if he's got some clever lies about Toto or some fun truths. If I only had a spin. <laughs> hey, it's me, the mixtape. We represent the Factor Spin Guild. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. Now that we started, we can't stop. Pay no attention to the man behind the mask. Oh, see, that's a good one. Also, I've got a student loan payment coming up, so... Uh... I know we agreed on the whole 50-50 thing for the whole year, but Mixie's got to get paid. We'll just see how it shakes out. Maybe maybe we go for 50-50 on the whole like year. And we'll see. I don't I don't like that you keep deflecting. Anyway, where's the jury stand on the pick a number thing? I really like it. You don't seem to. It's not my favorite. I feel like it takes out any accidental bias on my part. Yeah, but <laughs> but I love the final ramp. I love when the facts go from boring mundane things to like the unthinkable okay well uh, i guess we'll start here joseph williams has no worries i don't know why but you saying this in this way i mean in the in the classic way where you're trying to like hint me at a fact and not take me there the first thing and only thing so far that has popped into my head are those singing bass fish that sing don't worry be happy Like, if he has no worries. <laughs> he has no bash fish? Well, no. I, or he has a bunch of them. I don't know if he has them. Is he involved in some way? Is this is this fact about, like, the big Billy singing bass? I mean, it can be if you'd want it to be. We can pivot. We can pivot? Yeah, I kind of do want it to be. Did he, like, play on the recording for Don't Worry, Be Happy? No. Okay. 
But he did play on a recording. He, he did play on a recording. That is true. Hundred, uh, yeah, guaranteed. What recording are you referring to? The original soundtrack recording of The Lion King. Oh, okay. It's a Hakuna Matata thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I see. <laughs> he played on the recording of The Lion King. That's really cool. Yeah. What did, what did he play? Like all the songs or some of the songs? or The singing voice of adult Simba. In the original motion picture. No way. Like like Matthew Broderick's singing guy? Yeah. But wait, can't Matthew Broderick sing? I mean, he's in the Music Man. He sure can. So why'd they replace him? Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> what? He just didn't sing good enough. Yeah. So he sings on Hakuna Matata and Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Because that's the end of the singing songs. <laughs> wait, does Simba... It's been a long time since I've seen The Lion King and I've only seen it like maybe twice. Does Simba sing Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Yeah, he sings the second verse, the so many things to tell her, but how to make her see I'm not the king, she, or whatever, there's a whole thing. I'm so used to the Elton John version. The truth about my past, impossible. She turn away from me. That's the rest of the verse. Mm. Are those the only two songs adult Simba sing? Yeah, that's the last actual singing. After Can You Feel the Love Tonight, the rest of it's all pretty much instrumental stuff. Wow. There's not really any other singing. Like there's the music that swells when he's looking at his dad or up in the up in the clouds, right? Or whatever. But there's like no singing there. It's all just scores. And then there's like the circle of life. Mm, it, that does move me all. And then the end title is Elton John doing his version of "Can You Feel the Love Tonight." Okay. But yeah, there's like five tracks at the beginning of the song that have singing, Aww. and uh, that's it. This frustrates me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. You did this crowdsourcing thing last week, and now I don't know what to think. Oh, I did it again this week. Don't worry. That's still in effect. Ah. Uh. But here's my thinking behind this. Uh-huh. Toto's most popular song is Africa. Africa, and yeah. The Lion King, like, is a, is a very African movie. Uh-huh. And I think if you're running short on time or low on spins or you just want something funded, like, this might be a Giants thing. Remember on Young the Giant where you went, oh, I just found other the Giants? <laughs> like, this feels like you just went, I found something about Africa loosely oh. and found a way to relate it to the band. Maybe. Maybe I didn't come up with this at all. I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't think it's true. I think Matthew Broderick can sing. He's the music man in The Music Man, for crying out loud. Do we know for sure that he sings in that? No, honestly, I don't. <laughs> I still don't believe this. I think this is a spin. This is a true fact. This is a true fact. Wow. I'm surprised. I Hang on. No Googling anything. Stop it. I don't want you to accidentally come across anything. Are you checking if Matthew Broderick sings in The Music Man? Yes. He does sing in The Music Man. Why, why did they do this? I don't know. Well, that really... And I'm just, I'm just impressed you can't tell. I couldn't... I, again, watched The Lion King a long, long time ago. Yeah. But I guess if I had listened to The Music Man more recently and watched The Lion King, like if I did it back to back, I'm sure I would have found some differences. I don't know. I've listened to that song a lot. That's on my musical playlist. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was Matthew Broderick. Well, now you know you've been listening to Toto a lot more than you thought. Yeah. Let's see. I think from there, let's ramp it up to... I don't know if this is a ramp up or not, but we'll try it. Steve Lukather likes Dr. Pepper and grape juice. Like together? Yeah, like as a mixed drink. Oh, oh, he found the another 24th flavor. <laughs> so this sucks. Why did he start drinking this? Was this like an accident that he discovered or or what? Tried it one time. He just decided that would be a fun thing to do? 
defile his nice cup of Dr. Pepper? He said, I had the urge to try it one time, and I've not looked back since. Look back, Steve. Look back. Come back to us. What does he like about it? I can't even imagine the combination in my head. That's how obscene this is. Me neither, to be honest with you. Especially because Dr. Pepper is like a cherry flavored cola. Yeah. Already. So it's like a cherry grape combo, which just doesn't seem right. But, you know, it's each their own. It's cheap. <laughs> Did you say cheap? Yeah. Or or Gary. Gary, it's Gary. <laughs> Steve Lukather drinks Gary. It's a cheap flavor. Does he do this often? Is this like a once in a, in a while special treat on the full moon type thing? Or does he do this like once every night? I don't know. All I know is that this was his answer to what his favorite drink is. It should not be. <laughs> I, no one can like this, right? <laughs> no one should like this. Can? That's a whole nother question. Yeah, can or bottle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this one's also a spin. Well, you think this one's also a spin. You were wrong on the last I one. I was wrong on, yeah. Just to be clear. Right. I thought the last one was a spin. I also think, I had my also in the wrong spot, also think this one is a spin. Locking that in? Yeah, this is probably either something some sick, twisted fan likes to drink and sent you from your crowdsourcing, or it's something that they don't like to drink. I do like how boldly you insult the fans answers when or you know suggestions to be fair last time <laughs> i didn't know that that it was a submitted thing i thought you just came up with yeah. all of them and i don't mind insulting your ideas in this case though i think it's deserved okay <laughs> well i have unfortunate news for you what this is a true spin made up by a fan. wow Okay, now, do we know if the submitter actually does like this? Gosh, I hope not. See? I know me too, and I'm so sorry if you do. Seek help. But you know what? I, some deep, dark part of my soul, like, has to know. Wants to try it? Yeah. I know, right? I've had the same problem. I'm thinking next time we stream. Ugh, it's making me shudder, but what if? Yeah, what if? Okay, well. Next time we stream, we'll try it. Well, we're 50-50 on the first two. Yeah, and it's time to ramp things up a little bit. They've performed in a galaxy far, far away. Another Star Wars fact? Yep. Our last Star Wars fact was, I mean, a doozy. We learned that Bon Jovi appeared on the Star Wars Christmas special album. Like, you didn't even know that. Yep. And you did all the research. Star Wars has been coming up a lot lately. It has. So what kind of performing is Toto doing relevant to Star Wars? Session performers? Session musicians. They're playing on the recording sessions for Star Wars. Oh, like the originals. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Like episode IV or V or VI? VI. VI. Okay. Specifically track VI. Whoa. Well, V-I-V-I action. V-I-V-I-O. It's like old <laughs> McDonald. Now you're going to ask me what track six is? I guess. Yeah. What is track six? Lopty Neck, a.k.a. the Jabba's Palace Band. Track. The Jabba's Palace. Like at the very beginning. Oh, that makes sense. Because I was thinking, what would Toto's place be in like a John Williams orchestra? And I don't know if they necessarily have one, but... If they're like a stand-in band, you know, like a, a Sgt. Pepper situation here, I can see it. Yeah. Are they, is that that song that that weird little blue thing with the lips sings? Yeah. Oh, they don't sing it, right? They just play on it? Their future band member does. Really? Okay, who is it? Who Who you got? Joseph Williams. That's how they met. Makes sense. Makes sense. Joseph Williams got the part being the son of John Williams. Is he really? Yeah, that was a fact I wondered if you'd know. No, I didn't. <laughs> Joseph Williams is the son of John Williams. 
famous composer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a small world after all. How mad would you be if I was lying to you right now and he wasn't the son of them? Uh, that would be unfortunate, but I think that's true. Yeah, that is true. I do think that's true regardless. And I think if, if this is overall a spin, that's a piece of true information you fed me to lead me that way. Because... I'll be 100% honest and say that that is absolutely a true fact. He is the son of John Williams. I appreciate your honesty. He's the son of John Williams. Does the lyrics for Lopty Neck, of which other members of Toto were session musicians. I think that makes me believe it a little less. Because Good. if he... If, <laughs> that was my goal when I told you that. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm sure you found the John Williams connection that I missed. And if you found that, I'm sure you were quick to put him in Star Wars and say, oh, this would work. They, he'd buy this. And then you knew they were session musicians. It's a pretty easy jump. Pretty easy jump to hyperspace to put them in Star Wars. Yep. Locking in spin? No, I'm locking in fact. Whoa! At the end of the day, it is hard to believe, but it feels like one of those things that has to be true. Mm. This is... A spin. Except for when it doesn't have to be true. <laughs> you pretty much nailed it. Yeah. You know, I found the connection that he was John Williams' son and that he was the lyrics for that song. I honestly was just going to make it a true fact that he was in Star Wars. And then I was listening to you do the first part of this podcast and you mentioned the mean session musicians. I was like, let's make it a spin. That was really clever. I even did a quick Google while you were talking to see if they had met him yet and like when he joined the band and episode six came out in 1983 it was until like 1987 or something that like he joined yeah well that doesn't mean that wasn't where they met you know like exactly well that's why i went with that detail and just instead of saying that like that's how they got the job was through him i was i was trying to figure out how i was gonna do it it lined up well yeah okay well that's a bummer but interesting, nonetheless. I still learned some true things. He really is John Williams' son. I like to make my spins informative from time to time. Spin formative. Spin formative. I like that. He also apparently had an unused uh, source cue that he wrote for episode six. Huh. Well, the more you know. Yeah. Well, I guess that takes us to our final ramp. It sure does. The ramp approaches in finality. This one is simply titled Toto Forever. Okay. Toto Forever. Have they discovered the fountain of youth? <laughs> Indiana Jones style? Yeah, well, John Williams is in the middle of all this somehow. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. No? You sure? Okay. What on earth does Toto Forever mean? It's the name of an art exhibit. Oh, really? That's cool. What kind of art is in this exhibit? Is it like a bananas taped to the wall kind of thing? Or like, like paintings, sculpture? What's the art on display? The song Africa by Toto playing on Endless Loop. Oh my. So it's like a like an avant-garde performance piece. How who that's my question. How and who? An artist named Max Seden Tops. Sorry, Max. I'm sure I butchered your last name. And as for the how, it is played on an MP3 player with some speakers and it's powered by solar power. What's the intended meaning behind this you know sometimes these like special art pieces will have real thought behind them and like deep meaning like the machine that claws its own blood back to itself or the the whatever that does the thing it always like has symbolism what is the symbolism of toto forever he wanted to pay the ultimate homage to the song why because it's a great song. Well, it is. And so what better thing to do than to go out into the middle of the desert. What? And set this up. It's in the middle of the desert. Oh, did I not mention that part? No. <laughs> yeah, it's in an undisclosed place in the middle of the desert. In Africa? Uh-huh. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's really cool. It's in the middle of the Sahara Desert somewhere. 
undisclosed. How long has this been playing? When was it set up? 2019. And has anyone been to check on it? Is it still going? Well, at the time that it was done, the artist said every time that they passed through Africa, they'd check on it. I don't know if that's happened. I don't know how often that is. That is really not a good frame of reference. <laughs> he specifically picked out materials that would be able to weather the harsh environment of the Sahara Desert. Okay. Are there like animals around? Do you think like giraffes have come up and listened to Africa? Uh, I don't know. Are there giraffes in the Sahara Desert? <laughs> well, if it's like desert, desert, probably not. Yeah. I mean, the picture I'm looking at is pretty desert, desert. Unless like behind the camera, there's a pizza hut like with the pyramids. Yeah. If it's a pizza hut, I feel like someone would have found it by now. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is like, I guess they kind of showed a, a, there's like a map that shows its general area. Like, like this is the section. I mean, the deserts are pretty big. It's true. This is the general location, but good, but they did not disclose the exact location. So the true Toto fans would have to comb the Sahara Desert to find it. I, I know where Spin It on the Road's going next. <laughs> I just wonder how long it could endure, like with no interference. Artist seems pretty confident in it. Yeah, I'm sure. They took a video of it playing, so I have that for you. This is a really hard one because the first thing an artist would do, like this is obviously, this is absolutely something a real artist would really go do right mm -hmm. however this is the like lowest like cheapest i didn't give two craps and just made this up by the seat of my pants spin <laughs> ever like it it could also just be the like lowest effort spin africa oh it's playing in africa right now <laughs> all the time africa forever toto forever there's i just but it also could be so real are you claiming the max side in tops a made up person well if he is you did a good job of making up a last name you can't pronounce so <laughs> i credit you for that thank you i want this to be real but no i think i'm gonna say that this is real no i think i'm gonna say that somewhere out there in the middle of nowhere there's a small ipod shuffle with nothing on it to shuffle but toto's africa on repeat for eternity i bet the giraffes all know it by heart <laughs> Again, i don't think there's giraffes in the desert but that's okay well they're somewhere and they know. They know. James, I have good news for you. I don't think the way that you presented that was... This is real. It's real? This is real. This is a true fact. I didn't say that. I didn't think so. I'm so sorry. There's an asterisk to that. This is real. But... I was a bit mean this week. I feel a little bad. Yeah? I feel really bad. But this was at the request of the fan who submitted it. So I wanted to honor their submission. Okay. This art exhibit absolutely exists. Don't tell me it's just a spin because it's by someone else. No, no. It's absolutely by Max Seidentopf. Okay. A Namibia-born artist who put this in the Nam Namib desert, not the Sahara desert. That's the lie? <laughs> I explicitly made sure to say Sahara at least like five times to make it extra clear where it was. But this is not in the Sahara Desert. That was the lie? That was the lie. Uh, that, I can't, that <laughs> is unreal. That feels... Everything else I told you is true. Take it up with the fans. I'm stunned. They're meaner than I am. <laughs> that was unthinkable. You would, you truly would not have done that, I don't think. I don't think, no, I even said that's really mean. And they said, I don't care. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, oh, it's on like pedestals. Yeah. Yeah, it's on little pedestals with little speakers and a little MP3 player that's playing it. But it's not covered. That's I like surely nope. something could interfere. I don't know. 
It's got solar panels there to power it. But it's I like that it's in all directions. And there's the map of its approximate location. Somewhere in that red dot. That's a massively circled area. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be like hundreds of miles. Yeah. Well, we'll never find it. We will be packing enough water. That's your plan? It's just to, just to drink and comb the desert in Namibia. Okay. Comb the desert. Well, I am a little shocked and stunned. <laughs> I feel a little... A little gamed out of that 50-50 this week. I'm so sorry. I needed I needed the student loan payment. I guess so. You played dirty. <laughs> However, I am mostly just glad that this exists. Yeah. I'm glad to know that Africa, in theory, has for the last four years been playing constantly in Africa. We only have 31,000 square miles of desert to comb. You say 31,000 square miles? Yeah. Piece of cake. We'll have to learn how to podcast remotely because it's going to take us a while. We just got to get a nice queue build up. Yeah, just every day. Clear your schedule. Also says he didn't bother to get permission because it's pretty hard to grant permission to such a big place. So he just went out into the desert and did it. Wow, it's just... (laughs) out there i thought you meant permission from the band to like play their song no you just mean permission from the country like yeah there's a there's illegal toto out there in the world all i know though i bet you there's no doof doof and hoons in that desert i bet not (laughs) you're right but yeah thanks for thanks for the thanks for the loss everybody yeah yeah thanks for the win hey if you're the same fan that suggested grape juice good (laughs) i'm not mad about what i said anymore oh <laughs> yeah uh fans listening thank you if you're the ones that helped me out this week two out of the four of those came from fans right the two that weren't true <laughs> three of them weren't true well that's right but the one was true but fake yeah nitpicky i'd say <laughs> but yeah if you're one of the members that suggested something this week thank you very much if you're not one of those fans suggest something to me send me a spin for any band really i can make a spin work for just about anybody and uh if you want me if you are interested in helping me research true facts let me know that too and i'll give you a band to go research the spin and research department is on the case it'll be mixtaper and the fans against connor and james a really unfair distribution but okay it's a tag team match now instead of a 2v1 yeah whatever you think and with that i think i will bid the onion that was a new one. I like that exit format. Yeah, that was good. He's really stepping it up. He is. For year three. For year three, we're on another level. He's ramping. He's ramping. Oh, my goodness. Well, what's going to happen when he hits his final round? I don't want to know. <laughs> well, let's talk about the album cover of Toto 4. It's an interesting one. Are you familiar with the album cover of Toto 1? Not even Toto I, it's just Toto. Sure am. You are. So then you maybe recognize some of the symbolism. Yeah, the sword. Yeah, the sword and the rings, right? The, it's the same general concept as Toto 1, but it's got four rings in the image to represent Toto 4. And it's really cool, I think, with their name, meaning, all-encompassing, matched with like the continuity of the circle, right? The circle encompasses everything. It's neat. The sword insignia on the cover was created by Philip Garris. It's also, like you said, on that first record. And for the new record, he updated the look of it with a shiny hilt and everything. And on each of the rings, he kind of made it like fade, right? They're darker and more degraded in quality to kind of represent how the older albums have just started to age a little bit. 
It's an interesting cover. I don't think it evokes much. No, but I feel like it's like a. I think the fact that like it's the same. It's meant to be it's almost like their their brand. You know, like it's yes. like when like it's it's a staple piece. It doesn't evoke anything other than recognition for what it is. I think that's absolutely right. And I guess in a certain sense. I don't know, all the symbolism. It kind of feels like Toto's attempt to reintroduce themselves to the world, right? They they introduced themselves with their first Toto album, and then they kind of faded a little bit, right? The rings got a little older, a little dirtier. Yeah. And this is them coming back and saying, look, we're still Toto. We've got more. Well, shall we get into the album? Talk about some Toto? Sure. Nice little 10 tracks here. I think it's going to go really quickly because it's a very... Quick album to listen to. All right, let's talk about everyone's favorite woman. Well, Miley Cyrus. No, no. <laughs> no uh, you're feeling. You're feeling. You're feeling. Rosanna is up first. This song, I cannot express to you my simultaneous like joy and frustration that for the last really long time since I've been researching this episode, this song has just been drilled into my brain like irrevocably, like it won't move. Yeah. What is it with our named women being popular songs? Like what? Well, you have Rosanna. Yeah. Oh, you wanted another one? Yeah. What about Roxanne? Oh, yeah. True. Didn't think I had another one, did you? Well, you just... I'm sure there are others. Yeah. Roxanne. You don't have to put on that song tonight. Let's let's talk about Rosanna. Rosanna. It, it's actually the second time, at least, we've talked about this song on the podcast. Really? Yeah. Many, many episodes ago, when we did our Weezer episode... <laughs> Back in like the 20s. Oh. We talked about how when Weezer was cyberbullied into recording a cover of Africa, they kind of like teased everyone. They baited them by dropping a cover of Rosanna instead. Oh, right. Yeah. So it came up before there. But we don't want to talk about the Weezer version. That is not a thing we're discussing. For Toto, Rosanna was a huge hit. Rosanna. That's how it sounds if you needed a little refresher. Rosanna won a Record of the Year Grammy, and it charted worldwide, including five weeks in the U.S. Top 100, where it peaked at number two. Now, you might have heard a rumor that this is about actress Rosanna Arquette, Steve Porcaro's girlfriend, around the time that they were making this album. Is that a rumor you know? No. Well, good. Don't learn it, because it's not true. It's wrong. That's a spin. Oh. It's not about Rosanna Arquette. You tried to bait me. No, I didn't. I just asked you if it was a rumor you'd heard of. So you can sweep the rug out from under me. A little bit, I guess. Don't take out your anger with the mixtape around me just because I'm his roommate. Apologies. <laughs> you both have the same rugs. No, it's not about Rosanna Arquette. It's not actually about any Rosanna or any person in particular. It's just a fictional character. Although, I will say it is a little hard to believe that he didn't at least subconsciously get inspired to use her name because he was dating her. So, you know, who's to say? But not a real person. Basically, lyrically, it's a song about having lost a girl who was out of your league, you know? I never thought a girl like you could ever care for me. But it's been not quite a year since she went away, and he's still mourning that loss. Yeah. I like the way that they just build up the scale in the verse. You know, they got the fast pace, I can see your face still shining through the window on the other side. And then they go up. Right, the scale to Rosanna, Rosanna. But then from there, they go into the I didn't know that a girl like you could make me feel so sad. Rosanna. They just keep going up with it. They never come back down. It pops back up. It's like a jack-in-the-box. Yeah. That only goes up. It's great. It is great. But then it does go back down. And then they come back down. They come back down for the pre-chorus. Yeah, that pre-chorus. Yeah. Not quite a year since she went away. What a cool musical style on that pre-chorus. Yeah. 
Oh, also, before we get too far away from it, I want to talk about the intro to the song. Super cool, right? The way he kicks in with those drums. The song's intro is so unique that that drum pattern has its own name. Yeah? It's known as the Rosanna Shuffle. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a Porcaro original. And now, I mean, it feels so familiar to me. But he invented it. He says it was lifted from parts of Home at Last by Steely Dan, Babylon Sisters by Bernard Purdy, and a really infamous Bo Diddley beat. All kind of blended together into this Rosanna shuffle. Nice. I love it. It fits the song so well, especially like with their keyboard kind of driven sound. I don't know. When I think of Toto, I think of a lot of guitar solos, but I think of a lot of keyboard and drum instrumentals, mostly. Yeah. The guitars, rhythm guitars, feel like they kind of take a back seat most of the time, which is what makes this music a little unique. Also, interesting, the chorus, right? It's such a simple... Toto has this knack for really simple, really catchy, really easy choruses, right? He's offering his ex a compromise, which is less of a compromise because she just gets everything she wants. He's the only one that's compromising, and he's compromising completely when he says, I'm going to meet you all the way. There's no, like, meeting halfway. I'm going to go all the way. The mixtaper couldn't even meet me halfway at Factor Spin this week. He really wanted to. Well, that's good to know. David Page has a synth solo in here that's absolutely mind-blowing, followed by a Lukather guitar solo. It's great. And at that point in the music video... Fun little fact. There's a dance solo by Cynthia Rhodes, who played Penny in Dirty Dancing. Huh. I actually haven't seen Dirty Dancing, but... Really? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me, actually. Never mind. Well, (laughs) but if you pretend hard enough, you can make believe. You can make believe. Make believe is track two. I think for the album, Rosanna feels like an interesting place to start, right? The album opens on this guy who's lost a girl a year ago. She went away, but he's like still in denial about it. And so make believe kind of feels like the next step. The speaker's like, hey, maybe we're not really in love, but maybe we can pretend to be. Fake it till you make it sort of mentality. Yeah, fake it till you make it, which is a horrible way to do a relationship. But he is really all about it. You know, like, why don't we make believe we're sorry? We could pretend we never even broke up and nothing will be wrong with that at all. It's another one with just a really groovy rhythm. And I think a lot of it comes from those drums. Yeah, it's the way that it's like swung. Yeah, yeah, the lyrics are kind of swung and then that drum just doing the it's great. It is so groovy. It's so nice. And it was popular. Make Believe peaked at number 30 on the Hot 100. Nice. And a few decades later, it would appear in Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories on the soundtrack. Not, unfortunately, the game that Blondie's Debbie Harry was in, but like the side game for that. Yeah. And I think some Blondie songs were in it too. Either way. This one's got some great horns. Yeah, it does. Towards the end of the song. I think Toto is a band that incorporates horns really, really, really well. Yeah. In so many different places and ways. Like, they just feel so natural. And, like, the song would feel like it was missing something without the horns, I think. Also, I can't help but notice that the newest bane of our existence has returned. What are you calling the newest bane of our existence? Well, I just can't help but think about how... We didn't factor in the concept of crimson moons into our moon discussion a few episodes ago. Oh, no. We are not going back to the moon thing. Do crimson moons shine? Does the moon shine? Where did we land on that? We... Okay, does the moon shine? Here's the deal. We solved the moon back on the Kid Cudi episode, so (laughs) there's no need to dive deep back into it. The moon does shine. Does it? Yeah, as it reflects the light of the sun. It reflects? 
It reflects. What is what is shine? Think about a flashlight. What's the definition of shine? You would say that a flashlight shines. Yeah, but it's producing light. And on the inside of the flashlight around the bulb, there are usually a lot of mirrors. I think you would call the flashlight shining because it's the thing producing the light. Just like you would call it sunshine because the sun produces the light. Uh, let's... Oh, jeez. Does the moon shine? I don't know what the definition of shine is. Does it have to be a source of light? Ah, noun. Well, shine as a noun is a quality of brightness produced when the light is reflected on something. But as a verb, it is to give out a bright light or to direct a flashlight in order to see something. So when Toto says, who said the crimson moon doesn't shine? Scientists. Scientists. It's us. The crimson moon doesn't shine. It reflects. Yeah, sorry, Toto. That's a bummer. It's another mystery solved by the Spinet Mystery Department. What's interesting about this song is that the refrain... Feels a lot more like a chorus than the chorus. It does, yeah. Why don't we make believe we're in love again? I mean, it hits like a verse. It's labeled a refrain. Who said the crimson moon doesn't shine? But the chorus is so different and cool. Always remembering the day we met in the pouring rain. No more pretending. Like, it's so... It's so good. It's good, but it's not... It doesn't hit like a chorus. No, you're right. They're, They're like flopped. A little bit. I like Make Believe. It's pretty simple. It's a little bit of a harder rock track than Rosanna. Not than much else, to be honest. But it's a step deeper than Rosanna. The next one's got a bit of a harder rock, like, ballad sound. Well. Especially with some of the instrumental choices. It's a power ballad for sure. Yeah. I Won't Hold You Back is up next. And, whoo, man, it, it punches. This is almost on the level of Bon Jovi's Never Say Goodbye. I think. Yeah, it's... It's below it, but it's close. But you said this is the one you were surprised that I knew. Well, I guess I was, just because I don't think I knew it. Oh, but I'm the power ballad guy. It's true you are, so that... Really just the ballad guy. Yeah. In retrospect, I guess that doesn't surprise me. I won't hold you back. Uh, yeah, same. I'm just thinking about the part, like, at the end of verse two, where it really builds there with the... Uh, but it gives me time to realize just how much you care. And, like, it holds that note as the music swells. Yeah, it's pretty. It's nice. I think this song, I did a little bit of a you thing here. That I dabbled in the King of Concept albums. You dabbled? I dabbled. Wow. You came into my kingdom and dabbled? A little bit. Well, hey, it was a big desert, and I didn't feel like I needed permission, so... <laughs> I just, I felt like I Won't Hold You Back is almost another step in this breakup process. Where it feels like he's finally starting to let this lover go. Yeah. She's rejected him a year ago on Rosanna. And then he says, please, like, we can make believe. Like, let's just pretend to make something work. And she's like, still no, loser. And then he's like, fine, okay, I will free you. I will let you go. Yeah, he, like, tries to (laughs) regain a little bit of his dignity in a way. He's like, all right, you're right. I won't hold you back. Go do your own thing. Like, he's agreeing to the choice as if he had any say in the matter. Right, it feels like that. As she's (laughs) trying to move on, he's like, I'm not going to let, not going to tie you down. Yeah, she's already moved on. Like, she does not care. But he's like, I'm not holding you back. Don't worry. And she's like, you're not. I know. He's trying to make it feel like he's got some agency in this when he doesn't. Yeah. And that's not to say anything about the lyrics. On its own, this song is great. Out of that context... It has none of that, like, pathetic subtext. Yeah. But if you go track by track and, like... On its own, it's a great power ballad. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. When you dabble, sometimes you don't like what you dig up. Guess not. Actually, I Won't Hold You Back was more popular than Make Believe. Yeah. It peaked at number 10 on the Hot 100, topped the adult contemporary chart for three weeks. Rightfully so. Also, the chorus even features a little guest vocal from Timothy Schmidt, the bassist who joined the Eagles just after their Hotel California tour. Ah, nice. Yeah, good for him. The guitar solo on this one is great. It really is. I would argue, like I said, I don't think Toto is like a guitar-focused band, but when they choose to put that guitar front and center, 
and like put a spotlight on it in a solo, they're some of the album's greatest moments. Speaking totally from an unbiased standpoint, I really like the guitar solos. And you, I mean, you talked about how on Make Believe you really like the horns. Got a better horn song for you. I don't know about that. Well, maybe not better. More horns. But like Make Believe only has the one horn lead part. Good for you. The next track really has like a horn section. Yeah. And it gets to do some big bursts. It's more prevalent. Big time. And uh, go ahead. Dabble. He's coming back again. Yeah. <laughs> he tried to let her go and it did not work. Well, no, he did. You know, he let her go. He's like, I will hold you back. Don't worry. But, you know, just don't forget. I could be good for you. And you could be good for me, too. Yeah. He's just giving her one last reminder. Like, you know, I'm not going to hold you back, but, you know, you're going to regret it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, I mean, alternately, and probably better with the context of the future tracks, maybe he is talking to someone new. He's meeting someone, and he's saying, hey, you, me, we could be a good mix. We could go together like peanut butter and bread. Maybe. Maybe. Peanut butter and bread? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Well, peanut butter and jelly are fine. When was the last time you just ate peanut butter and jelly? It needs to go with the bread first. Yeah, but, like, the bread is just the the vessel for which to deliver peanut butter and jelly goodness to your mouth. It's true. Sometimes you just need a whole loaf of vessels worth of peanut butter and jelly. It's true. Can I tell the side story? Audience, just so you know, like there was a time, there was a very, like, I'm not exaggerating time, where Connor ate a loaf of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in like 24 hours. Yeah, it was in like way less than 24 hours, but yeah. It was, that was real. So that happened. I had like one or two for lunch, another one or two for dinner, and then the entire like second half of the loaf for like a midnight snack. It's <laughs> a midnight buffet of PB and J. Oh, that's a good lyric. It's a midnight buffet of PB and J. You just did that to the to the Lion King. It sounded like you're still stuck on that fact. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It was a little uh, circle of lifey. Yeah. Anyway, good for you. It's a feeling. On eating all those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and good for you on good for you, Toto. You know, just making this proposition to a potential partner. I like it. This song rocks. Honestly, one of my favorites from the album. It's a good one. It's a good one. Really good. But up next, it's not just a song. It's a feeling. Go ahead. Oh, I'm dabbling again. Dabble. So in the context, if we take the last song like he's with somebody new, it's a feeling kind of... Either could be, right, him, like, feeling like something's off in this relationship, this new one that he's entered, right? Like, she's cheating on him or been unfaithful. Like, this trust has been breached. Something's way off in this relationship. He says, it's a feeling you never belonged to me. You're fighting me. No lock or key can hide the truth you're keeping from me. Like, that's pretty serious. Yeah, that's why I still think it's the same person. I think he said, I won't hold you back, but, you know, I could be good for you. And now he's like... You're keeping yourself from me. It's a feeling like deep down, you know, you knew me and all my desires. I just want to believe that the protagonist for all these songs that we've totally made up in our own heads, and it's not a concept album, but I want to believe he's a better guy than that and would have moved on by now. Well, I think this is a this is a rags to riches story. I think he gets her. Oh, you think she comes back? You think Rosanna comes back? I think Rosanna realizes her mistakes. Whoa. Okay, so you've dabbled too then. Oh, I dabbled a little. Uh, I dabbled. I was going to save my dabble till we got through them all and then surprise you with it. But then you told me you were dabbling. You came into my kingdom and uh, dabbled on me. But little did you know, the king has arrived. Yeah. It's just hard not to consider these songs as some form of concept. Like, they're so thematically similar. Not samey. You know, each one has a very different angle and a different approach. But they do all just fall in this post-breakup turmoil, like the aftermath. 
And if this is the most fun, lighthearted breakup album you might ever hear. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. But up next, we get a little afraid of love. Probably the album's hardest rocker, I think. Yeah, probably. It kind of reminds me of like the cars, you know? It's it's almost like a different band altogether. Yeah. But boy do I like Afraid of Love. It's a classic verse verse chorus verse chorus track. On this track, according to the concept album we've got rolling, I feel like the speaker's finding this new person, but he's afraid of the commitment, of the passion. He's afraid of the love. Like these feelings that he has are new and scary, and he's never felt this way before, and it's complex. Which to me, I mean, one, kind of implies that he never really was all in on Rosanna. It was more of an infatuation, which is usually how it goes when you end up saying, I'll meet you all the way. You know, that that's not like a love thing. True. Maybe it is a different person. It might be. I don't know. What's your take? I could get behind it if you want to take the easy road. Well, I'm a rookie. Go easy on me. I'm- you know, the road most taken, we could go to a different girl. But if we want to spice things up a little, could argue that we had it wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe he was a little infatuated. You know, this uh, girl of the dreams that I'll never have a shot with, but I'm going to try anyways. I'm going to try punch above my weight class sort of thing. Mm-hmm. She rejects him as as he expects. As one does. As one does. <laughs> no real heartbreak there or anything. But then, uh-oh, you know, maybe she has a bad breakup with some other guy and comes, oh. comes to, decides to give him a shot. And so now he's like, whoa, I'm a little afraid. Oh, I thought you were going to say for a minute, this is from a different perspective, like her perspective towards him. Yeah, well, I was going to go there, but there's the whole line, because girl, you're pushing too hard. What is a boy to do now? So that kind of ruins that. I just think this is like him now being like, wait, whoa, I actually have a shot. What if I mess it up? I'm afraid now. I'm afraid of love because like I never thought I even had a chance with you. Never had a chance, girl. Mm, Okay, interesting. I think he's afraid to have this shot. Yeah, that's a different take. I could get behind it a little bit. That's the road less taken, you know? Yeah. A little frosty. <laughs> a little road not taken, a little, little frosty. Two interpretations of Toto 4 diverged in a yellow wood. <laughs> and I tr- took the one less travel. <laughs> and that will make all the difference. <laughs> I love it. Up next is a song that for the longest time, I had the title all wrong in my head. It's Lovers in the Night. Yeah. Absolutely. Because when I listened to the song, I hadn't looked at the lyrics. I just listened to it and the way that they I, I hear it now that i know but before i knew they just say in the night so fast it's ooh, you know we're lovers in the night like it's like a little like a little hiccup it just sounds like they're saying lovers at night you thought it was at night well in my brain it was all messed up for a long time and i'm i'm working on fixing that but yeah oh I won't criticize because I have plenty of songs like that. But no, this was not one that I had that problem with. Well, now I hear it. I can't miss it. I hear in the every time and I feel dumb. All right, go ahead. Dabble for me. Lovers in the Night. I mean, I can't say it's particularly lyrically robust, right? It's a very verse heavy song. The chorus is a single song, We're Lovers in the Night. He, I guess, would stop being afraid of love in this case. He realizes it's just the soul that matters and keeps her satisfied. So he stops being afraid of love, kind of gains this newfound confidence in himself, Mm. and he's, like, leaning into this relationship. Rookie mistake. Oh, really? Am am I on the wrong road again? (laughs) I think this is him still afraid of love, talking about Rosanna and how Rosanna's going to, you know, make him cry. Because, you know, he knows he's not good enough for Rosanna. There's the line, she'll have you walk beneath the ladder you were meant to climb. That's bad luck. It's just the soul that matters and keeps her satisfied. She'll have you wishing that you had her come rain or shine. Like, he's going to be doing everything he can to meet her all the way. Again, 
clearly has learned nothing. Yeah, and you know, to, just to hold on to her for as long as he can. But he knows, you know, they're gonna be lovers in the night, and he's gonna get this sense of attachment that is gonna lead to her making him cry. Okay. Rosanna's gonna make him cry. Maybe she will. We'll find out. I like this song a lot. I know it's not, like I said, not lyrically very, like, wow, stellar. But the vocals, the way they sing it, it's so much fun. Like, the reverb on there is really cool. I just I just like Lovers in the Night a lot. Well, well we, we made, made it. it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'm like, I did not edit that to be in sync. I just want you to know that we genuinely just said was. that in sync, like at the same <laughs> time. That was really something. We did make it till we made it, yes. And uh, the prophecy has come to its fruition. Which is what? Made him cry. Oh, she made him cry. Broke his heart. Yeah, it is. It is starting to fall apart. She broke up with him on his birthday, of all things. I mean, that does that does suck. No, on her birthday. Or yes, yeah. Sorry, it was her birthday came around. She broke up with him. It was just like her birthday present to herself. And this is him being like, "But listen, if we're clever enough, we'll put it together. You know, don't give up. We'll make it again. You we know, he's not it, he's not willing to give it, it up. Made it before. He's not willing to give up. And being like, "Don't give up on us." I I do like in this version that you're telling that he's pivoted now from Rosanna to here. He went, oh man, you left me a year ago and I'm still not over it and it's so hard. And then here he's like, down on my luck, you arrived just in time. Like, Yeah, well he was down on his luck because she broke up with him a year ago and he was just really feeling bad about himself. And then she came back into his life. Yeah, I guess that's true. And... You know, they did this real on again, off again thing for the last couple years, you know? Yeah, on again, off again is it's not the way to do it. It's a good, it's a good chorus. We made it, made it, made it before. Yeah, so it's a good chorus, but it's so, once again, see Toto, it's that Toto thing. Simple chorus, one line, beautiful. Yeah. We made it before, I know that we can make it again. And that's not to say that Toto does it every time. No, because they, they haven't. But at least on Toto 4, they've done it a lot. And other places. Hold the line, love isn't always on time. Chorus. Yeah. Boom. Love it. Cut print. You know, like. <laughs> but I prefer that, I think. I've said in the past, I prefer a shorter chorus with more robust verses. It tends to make their songs a lot more fun, I think. Yeah. Because we have one easy, simple emotion to hold on to. To anchor us. Yeah. And then the verses tell the story. Yeah, they can dance around it as much or as little as they want. But we all know that chorus. It's so hooky. That when it comes up, we're singing it, and it's going to be stuck in our head a year after Rosanna leaves us. Like, it's there all the time, the whole time, in most cases. I would say Waiting for Your Love is a track that defies that uh, catchy threshold that Toto has established so far. It's still groovy, but yeah, it's harder to get stuck in your head. It is absolutely very, very groovy. It's awesome. It's kind of got that same swing to it that's like somewhere between Make Believe and the Rosanna Shuffle. So, I think for my dabble, I'm going to take a controversial path. It's like a funky song. What's your controversial path? Controversy. I kind of want to gender bend it. Oh, okay. I kind of want this to be from Rosanna's point of view. Oh, interesting. Like this is her coming around and realizing she's been treating this guy like crap. Okay, shattering his heart on his birthday. Yeah. After their second time dating. I, you know, I've been waiting for your love and it's been here all this time right in front of me. I was so dumb. I was treating you so poorly, running around, breaking your heart, but... You were you were here all this time, you know. You never gave up on me, sort of vibe. Yeah, I do like that, and I I implore you that if you do think of this as a concept record, please just let it stop here, okay? Oh no! Like you finally no, we're you not no no please. <laughs> like it's a happy <laughs> we're ending. Not it's a happy ending. It's so good and Choo-choo. easy. And- 
it's got a bow on it. Choo choo. This this concept album train is next stop Africa. Ah no, I it's just <laughs> there's no way you're gonna make Africa fit into this narrative you've crafted in a satisfying way. Oh, I'm gonna. Well, Africa is up next, and I'm so excited to talk about this on the podcast. Oh man, because this is a song everybody knows. All you Toto fans and non-Toto fans alike, you know Africa. You've all blessed the rains. You've all heard the dogs cry out in the night. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, I really don't think people take Africa seriously enough as a song. I think it's kind of become a little bit of a meme, especially nowadays. Yeah. I just don't think it's appreciated enough. And this album is clearly, like it proves that Toto can write killer songs and rock really pretty hard when they want to. I don't think Africa necessarily gives the full scope of that, but it's nevertheless a very popular song. It was a number one hit by the end of 1983, and in 2020, it reached a whopping six times platinum certification. It's awesome, and people like to misinterpret it, like you're about to, (laughs) as a love song about somebody. Uh, I was about to say that we got two options here. This is a lot like at the beginning of this when we said that like when you try to make this a concept album with a singular protagonist like this, he becomes very uh simpy. Um simpy. but that's not what the that's not really what the songs are meant to be on their own. No, please yeah, disassemble this. That's just how they end up. Yeah. And I think the same thing happens on this song. Like this song has a lot of deep meaning and interesting stuff going on by itself. It sure does. But in the land of concept the kingdom of concept where concept king rules yeah the desert that's a little redundant the desert kingdom of concept it's got to be about a woman fair enough or if you want to be really more interesting you could gender bend it again and this is now like rosanna's confession of love like i'm now i'm committed there's nothing a hundred men or more could ever do to drag me away from you protagonist i'm yours now yeah two options there it could be from either point of view depends on which one you find more interesting well or 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 a lot of oars are you rowing to africa (laughs) no yeah see people like to misinterpret it as a song for somebody but it's really a love song for somewhere it's about the wonders and the beauty of you guessed it the continent of africa but it's a little bit funny it's different if you're familiar with africa maybe the song gives you pause jeff percaro says a white boy is trying to write a song on africa but since he's never been there he can only tell what he's seen on tv or remembers in the past so it's not like some comprehensive insightful view into the serengeti it's not that it's this angle on africa this take that was partially inspired by one of those early 80s like documentaries yeah all those commercials that were about some widespread problems people in africa were having the the lore of this song right is it like supposed to be about like a social worker i think that makes a lot of sense yeah that it's like a social worker that's gone over there and fallen in love with working for the country but has also fallen in love and now has to make a choice between helping the people of africa or having a family oh that's an interesting take that's what i'd always heard maybe that's where like all the lines of like i seek to cure what's deep inside frightened of this thing that i become line and stuff like that comes from it was like i want to bless the rains in africa i want to be here where the dogs cry out in the night and all this stuff but also i i'm conflicted because i kind of want to have a family and then that's when then the chorus becomes a bit like oh is it about a person is is he is he saying that the the thing that you know can't be dragged away from is africa or the family which one is it which one did they choose it's up for interpretation okay yeah that's interesting that's what i've always heard 
as a fan of this song. I can get behind it. It definitely is inspired by like those reach out and help pitch in kind of commercials. Yeah. Because Porcaro saw him and he said it both moved me and appalled me and the pictures just wouldn't leave my head. So it was like it stuck with him, you know. Also that that theory kind of fits in with the line gonna take some time to do the things we never had, right? Because it's like, oh, is he talking about gonna take some time away from social work in Africa to have a family? Or take some time away from like maybe this person to go do to give people things they never had. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's kinda like a again, which one is it? And maybe Rosanna is that social worker. Oh, deep. Who now it's like, I've fallen in love with our protagonist, but what do I choose? This love that I've committed to with waiting for your love? This love I've found? Or my job <laughs> what in if, Africa? Maybe this is why she left him a year ago. Maybe to go to maybe Africa. Maybe it's a prequel. Maybe. It's I don't come know. full circle. Wow. I like it. Rosanna, the social worker and unnamed protagonist. Sure. Concept album. I think Africa is such... A new sound for this record. Some of these songs have sharper edges, right? Like Lovers in the Night, whatever. But this one has a really smooth, really round sound. And I like that a lot. It fits the song like a glove. Dave Page sings the verse. Bobby Kimball takes over the iconic chorus. And it's just, this song feels, I don't know, like unforgettable. It's almost like a listening experience. What's your favorite line? I have one. Yeah. Favorite liner lines, I guess. Clump of lyrics. Okay, what's yours? I want yours first. Is it bad if I pick her moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation just to bring the moon back up? That's fine. Here they clearly understand reflection so the moon the moon shining before should have that's just really a lyrical oversight yeah yeah they clearly understand they said it just to make us mad specifically us you and me right here now yeah in the year 2023 but also in verse two the 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 line the wild dogs crowd in the night as they grow restless longing for some solitary company i like that my favorite line in this song I think it's one of the most absurd, goofy, like always makes me laugh kind of lines that's also still low-key kind of certified poetry. Like it walks the line. It's in the second verse. Okay. I know that I must do what's right as sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti. Because what? What a mouthful. What a clunky lyric. What a messed up series of images. That's great. That is so, like, it, it's very specific and very ridiculous. And honestly, a little bit confusing. Because, like, yes, okay, Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus. Kilimanjaro is almost 3,000 meters higher above sea level than Olympus. Yep. So it does rise above. But the biggest sticking point about this line is that Kilimanjaro isn't even in the Serengeti. It's like 130 miles away from the national park. Yeah. They're both in Tanzania. I mean, but it is above it. I mean, I, yeah, I guess. In the same way that the Empire State Building is like above me right now. But it's very, very far away. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just such an interesting line. I just love it. Yeah, it's a good line. A lot of syllable-heavy words, specific geography references. Don't see a lot of geography in songs anymore. No, it's true. <laughs> Bring back geography rock. But I think that puts a cap on this Toto 4 episode. Final spin time. Yeah, that's right. Final spin is here. Let's do it. I think Toto 4 is an incredibly fun album front to back. Not your typical breakup album. Like I said, maybe one of the most fun breakup albums you'll ever hear. And to me, this record does not sound at all like the last chance, last ditch effort of a band who's been clamoring for hits, right? This doesn't sound like a make or break album to me. It feels like there's so little pressure on it when they were making it. It feels like friends just rocking out, writing quality, fun music. I think musically, it's just about at its strongest point. Whoa. You know, lyrically, it takes a little bit of a hit. Let's dig into scores. Music, 
for me. I'm giving music an 85. So many of these songs are so catchy, so groovy, so high energy. Just a blast. Lyrics take a little bit of a hit. Uh, sometimes, you know, they're a little more simple. But I'm still giving them an 80. Instruments of production, 78. And the overall vibe, just a blast, at an 86. Which makes the album's overall score an 84.0. Nice. That is not the first time you've heard me say that number as a final score. I've also, on this podcast, given Twisted Sister with Stay Hungry and Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers 84.0s. This album lands at number 314, and it's at the bottom of those three. Wow. I know. Twisted Sister is the highest because of the tiebreaker scores. Californication is second because it's got a little bit higher of a music score. That's an 86 instead of an 85 that Toto has. Also interesting and noteworthy, Toto 4 is a tenth of a point above Janis Joplin's Cheap Thrills. Oh, wow. Which is number 319. So I've got four episodes that we've done in a row here. All right here together. Interesting. Yeah, but that's me. 84, number 314. Really, really enjoyable album that I think just, again, shows that there's so much more to Toto than that little dog in that picnic basket. He's come a long way. Is he in a picnic basket? Doesn't she carry him in a picnic basket at least some of the way? She definitely, I think, has a picnic basket. I'm pretty sure Toto rides in Dorothy's picnic basket. He rides in her basket on the front of her bicycle, right? I don't know. My point is... The Toto has come a long way since surviving that tornado. Fair enough. I wasn't saying you were wrong. I was just, I couldn't remember. I, you made me not remember either, though. <laughs> I asserted it confidently, and then you undermined my confidence. I'm sorry. Well, for me, I'm a big fan of Toto. I could tell. When you said at the beginning of this episode, the album almost got a 10. Only if it had a specific song. Just to remind everyone that that happened. Any numbers on the table still, because the song that was required to be there for the 10 is missing. That's true. My top three in album order. Rosanna. Obviously. Connor will mention Make Believe. Ooh. I Won't Hold You Back. Yep. And Africa. Literally so. That's the most basic top three. How dare you? There's a reason for that. It's because it's all the top songs. Of the five singles they released, you picked four of them. Yeah, those were the good ones. They knew it, and you know it. Yeah. As for my score, this one is getting nine IXs out of ten. IX is like Roman numeral nines. Yeah. Okay. Somehow very distinct from your Tribe Called Quest unit of nines. <laughs> A little more math involved or spelling or whatever you want to say. I'm literally the least surprised that this got a nine. What? Should have gotten a one for all you knew. What do you mean you weren't surprised? I'm not surprised. Definitely. I definitely kept that one close to my chest. Not spoiled at all at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The 10 thing really like, I thought you'd like it a lot because of the power ballads and the horn sections and yeah. there's nothing too, I don't know, t- nothing in here that would like rub you the wrong way, really. I don't mean this in like a milk toast way, but it's a little bit of a safe album for you. How dare you. I just, I want to continue healing. You know, I got Phoebe, I got Toto, we're healing. But the real question is... Where in your nines is this going? How high? If you were betting, man, where do you think it would go? I don't know. I think for me, in your eyes, it probably ends up at least. Here's the the, the high watermark, low watermark for now. It's going above Illinois, going above Sufjan Stevens. Okay. I don't know if it makes it past Bon Jovi, though. It does. It does? Does it make it past? Probably past our alt pop, Band Camino, and past Bad Sons. I'm going to put a pin in it. Above Apocalypse Whenever, Below Phantom of the Opera. You nailed it! Oh, there it is. (laughs) Yeah, it's the first try if you don't count the first try. 
Okay, it's the first try. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. Wow, that's your uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth highest ranking album. Yeah. That's a, a far cry from 314, but also awesome. I can get behind it. Eighth for now. Fair enough. Fan of the Opera is a pretty hard line. The breaking the anything above that, I mean, it's going to be tough going. I know. It's, I really do know. <laughs> so far, I've... I've done it a few times, but really only once. You've only done it once since Fan of the Opera, and it was right after it with Elton John. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. But the only, like, I already knew you liked Billy Joel and Elton John and Phil Collins, and and you brought Barry Manilow and Miley Cyrus. And so I consider Dua Lipa, like, my real win in your rankings so far. True. However, I'm going to, Toto is up there among the best of them. Because this is, you said you only knew three of these songs. Yeah. Like, seven of these were brand new for you. Yep. That's awesome. Did you go into this album expecting it to be the eighth best one we ranked based on what you knew, like, from your three known songs? Let's just put it this way. I knew it was a nine just based off of those three songs. (laughs) Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Like, the other seven would have been pretty rough to bring it out of nine territory just with those three. So noted. Big fan of Toto. And Hold the Line is all it would have taken to tip it. I mean, past everything. I say that because it's not here. If that was on the album, it at least jumps up to even now territory. Wow. But what you're saying is Phantom of the Opera was able to hold the line. Yeah. Now that's for our playlist picks. I think we have to do it by committee this week because there's no way we're not putting Africa on it, right? Do you think we even need to have a discussion? I'm just saying we know Africa's going on it, right? So then we got to pick another one. And I'll tell you what. No, no. We're thinking Rosanna? I was going to say, (laughs) we don't need to compromise. I'll meet you all the way. It's got to be Rosanna. Yeah, okay. So first and last track. I'm frustrated because I want to spread the good word of all the other Toto songs. I know. But also, I just want to listen to Rosanna and Africa forever. Yeah. So that's the way it's got to be. Well, you can you can listen to uh, Africa forever. If, you just... if I just head out to the middle of the <laughs> desert, booking my ticket to Namibia right now. Well, that's another week of spin it. That's another episode. That's another album. That's another pair of scores. That's another playlist pick and another top three and another unit and another good time was had by all. Yeah. If you're looking forward to more good times just like this in the future, be sure to check us out on Twitter at SpinItPod, on Instagram at SpinItPodOfficial, and on the web at www.spinitpod.com, where you can find all of our past episodes, all of our bonus content, all of our fun things. Yeah. We've been on a real party streak lately. Episode 100, hitting triple digits, you know, the end of year two, the beginning of year three. <laughs> yeah. It's been a real party episode. And this week is also one more party. Yeah. Between you and me. It's a surprise party. It's a surprise party? Yes. Oh, right, right, right. I don't think he knows about it yet, but... You want me to get him back in here? Not yet. Here, not watch yet. this, watch this. Ready? <clears throat> hey, mixtaper, James wants to uh, wants to dispute uh, the point for that desert fact. Uh, can you come back in here for a second? Here he comes, here he comes. Oh, okay. Right, get Everybody ready. get ready. When he comes in, we're going to yell surprise. Hey, it's me. What's up? Surprise! Surprise! Ah, ah, ah. surprise! What are we surprising? No, you don't have to yell surprise. It's a oh, surprise. Oh, oh. It's your birthday this week. <gasps> this episode is, you're two years old. <laughs> and so... We wanted to celebrate your birth with a little surprise party. My birthday's a little ambiguous. Yeah, I would say. I have eight different birth certificates. My parents refuse to tell me which one's the real one. Oh, that sounds like a crime. The dastards like that. 
I guess so. But yeah, I can't believe you remembered what we're choosing to call my birthday. Oh my gosh, I thought you forgot. No, I did not. For, I've there I would never me forget a birthday. <laughs> never. I mean, yeah, we're in year three now, whole new year. This year, we're allowed to celebrate birthdays. You know, year two, no birthdays were allowed. That's right. I because of because because of issues. Because of issues. But you know, year three, whole new year, birthdays are back on the menu. Yes. So we're gonna wrap this episode up, and then we're gonna go. Did you give me a cake? To the batting cages. The batting cages. Yeah. You hate me. We could go somewhere else. Trampoline parks. Surely you know. No, I do. I I know. You know you know the horrific memories created for me at the batting cages you're gonna take me there for my for no my birthday i i didn't know look i think we for my second have birthday dis- party for for me too you know what that's it i'm officially entering my terrible twos <laughs> no not in the year of healing good luck you and connor may be healing but i'm in my terrible twos we need to end this episode yes www.spinitpod.com is where you'll find us i'm leaving goodbye yeah oh we gotta go chase him down anyway so we're out of here we will see, see you, you next, next week, week after we take care of that have a great weekend until next time keep, keep spinning, spinning. Why'd you have to mention batting cages? I honestly didn't know. I should have known that that would turn into a thing, but I didn't. I don't even know if he has a horrific memory or if this is just him acting out. He is in his terrible tooths. Could be. I don't know. Only one way to find out. Should have just left it a cake. Come no, back. no, no. Leave. Drop the pumpkin spice.